to the Infinite Spark of Being podcast. My name is Keith Welsh, and this is another journal episode from the car. Uh, Last week, I talked about rapid resolution therapy, um, what that is, etc. I feel like I need to go over again. I'm not going to do that right now, Um, but I'll revisit it. Um, So... What's the worst thing about being alive? Uh, When I ask that question of people, they say uh, anxiety, stress, illness, death, lack, uh, a lot of things, right? And what I find that most of these, those things have in common is, um, how we get the Four Noble Truths of, um, you know, you think of sickness, right? Uh, When our bodies are hurt or ill or whatever, it's hard because, wait a minute, this thing always works. This thing always does the thing it's supposed to do. It's like when your car doesn't work. It's like, well, well, we had an agreement, you know? Um, The worst part about death is that the people that pass... You know, we have this thing where it's like, but you're always here. You know, you're always there for me. And that's our minds coming into contact with impermanence. Uh, And, you know, that's that's par for the course. That's, uh, you know... Some, so some could say that the worst part about life, about being alive, is the impermanent nature of everything that we attach to. Well, maybe the impermanence is also a good thing. You know, uh, when you think about... Because <clears throat> the problem is that the mind believes everything's permanent, right? So if you think about your worst day, you know, when I think about depression for me and these things that the worst part about it is there's something in my mind that goes, yep, this is how it always is. Fuck me. You know, um, this always happens. Uh, the, you know, that the permanence could be the worst part about it. The belief in permanence, the mind's belief in the permanence that doesn't really exist, right? That you think of your worst Aspects or you at your worst, and the thing that sucks is that you thought that would always be you, that you would always be shitty. You know, um, the hardest part about bliss, happiness, or you know, being at the top of your game is that the mind believes that it will always be that way, and then we find out that it's not right. So, it's an interesting flip there that, you know, when we're down, the worst part about it is that the mind believes it's permanent. And then when we're up, the worst part about being up is that the mind believes it's permanent. You know? Um, But what we find is that it's not. Right? That things come and they go and that's kind of the nature of it. Um, That that, that these things will move eventually. Um, I find dealing with people with PTSD or um, any sort of you know, anxiety disorder or whatever is that they believe that it'll always be that way. But then they find out that, you know, 
when you get the right kind of help, you know, like if someone sits with me and we do our RT and they find that, yeah, within an hour we just move this and this is no longer a problem for you. And it's hard for people to believe, right? Especially if they haven't done it. Even the people that have done it, they find it hard to believe. Like, I can't believe that I feel okay right now, you know? Um, So often when we say the worst part about life is the impermanence of it, I mean, you know, uh, when you feel at your worst, when you're really down, is the worst part about feeling bad is that it's impermanent? Um, it's interesting if we're feeling good and we, the worst part about it is that it's impermanent. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. It's the first two noble truths anyway, right? Well, the first three is what we're talking about. The first one being that life is fundamentally uh, built of dissatisfaction. And we have to take the good and the bad out of dissatisfaction and just see it as it's unsatisfactory, meaning, you know, like literally I ate a little while ago, uh, before I ate, I did not like the feeling of being hungry, right? That was an unsatisfying feeling. So I went to the grocery store and I got something to eat and now I, I was eating and I felt satiated and satisfied and that's great. Um, and now I'm kind of actually sitting here like, ah, oh, maybe I had a little too much. I bought these uh, plant-based protein drinks that buy one, get one at Publix. I got two. I shouldn't have done that. I'm not vegan or anything, by the way. I just like the way it tastes. <clears throat> um, so, yeah. Um, I was unsatisfied with being hungry. Uh, you have to go to the bathroom and that's an unsatisfying feeling. So you go to the bathroom and now you feel satisfied and you feel satiation. You are, but, but it's constant. You're constantly needing to satiate something, uh, a, a urge, uh, pain, anxiety, hunger, bathroom, loneliness, boredom. It goes on and on and on. And then you find out the second noble truth, that that dissatisfaction, that unsatisfied feeling is perpetuated and initiated by grasping and clinging. Almost to say that feeling that you need to satiate something is made worse by satiating it. So, you know... You, the grasping and clinging. So if I could just have it this way, I would be happy. If I had this much money, I would be satisfied. If you would act different, our marriage would be better. If only, if just, if only, if just, and we grab and we grab and grab and then we get the thing, the love, the money, the adoration, partnership, pets, positions, products, all of it. And it satiates us. We feel that we got what we wanted. We, we, we got it. And then it's on to the next one. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just phenomena. You know, the the dissatisfaction isn't necessarily bad. It's just the need for satiation. And it's it's there. It's phenomena. 
Um, the grasping and clinging. Yes, I grasp at things and then I cling to things. And, right? And, and even the way I'm saying it is slightly incorrect, right? Because when we get into the third noble truth, we find out that it's not me necessarily that's grasping and clinging and dissatisfied. The nervous system is unsatisfied and the mind grasps and clings. It's why that thing of us being a slave to the, to, uh, I'm sorry, a slave to the senses, you know, when they say that in the Bhagavad Gita, when Krishna tells that to Arjuna and <clears throat> various books that said, it, it doesn't mean that like we're a slave to smells and tastes and all that kind of stuff. That's not what that means. It means that we're a slave to urge, feeling, the nervous system. The nervous system is telling you what to do, what to satiate, what to make happy, what to handle. You know, and if I could just do this, then my nervous system would feel better, my body'd feel better, and then everything would be fine. But it's just not. There's always something else. So you find out that it's the mind that does it. That's the third noble truth, that you aren't grasping and clinging. The mind is grasping and clinging because the mind runs on policies. So the old saying, <clears throat> wisdom frees you and morality binds you. Wisdom knows the present moment and morality tries to predict the next thing. Or it creates policies about it, like the mind does. It goes, well, I'm going to give meaning and value to this object, this person, this thing. And then I'm going to look for that meaning and value to always be there. Right? A pattern-oriented, meaning-making machine. That's the mind. The mind is a pattern-oriented, meaning-making machine. The mind applies meaning and looks for that pattern to always be true. And that's, that's it. And the mind goes, but they're supposed to always elicit this feeling of love and affection. Why aren't they now? What's going on? Well, it must be this and it must be that. Right? So that's what the mind is doing. And that's our four noble truths. That fundamental dissatisfaction is part of being in a body. Because nothing stays the same. There's no fixed, solid anything. There's no solid self. There's no... It's not there. There's not a fixed, solid thing. You aren't solid and fixed and stationary in the universe. Nothing is. And that dissatisfaction is perpetuated and initiated by grasping and clinging that happens in the mind. The mind goes... Well, if I had this, this would always be true. If I had this, this would always be the way that it is. And then I could rely on, a, on an outcome. I could trust the outcome would always be the same. It's a policy. Morality is policy. It's like at work when these upper whatevers create policies about things. It's because they want a predictable outcome. They want to be able to say that this is always how it is so that they can predict their shareholders, what, they're, what these people are going to make and all this kind of stuff. The mind does the same thing. But wisdom, back to wisdom frees you, morality binds you. Wisdom only knows how it is right now. 
Wisdom knows this moment. But you said till death do us part. Yeah, well, I didn't know you were going to go fucking crazy. But you should have known because my parents are... Nope, 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 nope. Shut up. Didn't know. Wisdom knows this moment. That's also a weird thing, too, because it's like... I mean, I'll say yes to all this if you continue to always act the same, be the same, look the same. I mean, that's the way it is. I don't personally have a problem with that. You know? I think it's, uh, you know, if it comes to, like, it's my duty to not go fucking nuts. It's my duty not to let myself fall apart. You know? I mean, of course I'm going to change on some level, but I don't know. I don't think it's a bad thing. I think that, uh, you know, change is the way it is. It's the way of things. It's just how this all goes down. You know, it's the mind that believes the change is bad or that the change is good. But wisdom is outside of the mind. Wisdom just knows this moment and says, all right, well, this is how it is now. I like it now. I'm in love with it now. Yeah. Um, so the worst part about being alive, being in a body, is that it's largely unsatisfying. And um, it's uh, impermanent. And the fear of permanence, the fear of impermanence, when it's all really just passing phenomena. It's just phenomena. It comes and it goes. It changes, it ebbs, it flows, it's whatever. You know, so think about consciousness, right? So I was thinking, you know, um, someone looks at you and says, you know, you've changed. It's like, yeah, I fucking hope so. You know, uh, I deal with clients all the time that say, I want to get back to my old self. And I always tell them, fuck the old you. The old you didn't know what the new you knows. Yeah, but this happened and that happens. Like, yeah, and now the new you knows that's possible. It's consciousness, right? You rock back and forth in a chair. You bump the wall behind you. You are now conscious of the wall behind you. And that is an expansion of consciousness. Your consciousness has expanded to include the wall. So that changes the way you rock back and forth. You now rock back and forth because you have knowledge of this wall behind you. So it changes the way you do this thing. Right? There's another example of impermanence. Thank Christ you won't stay the same. Especially if you suck. If the you right now is a hot fucking mess, thank God changes the way of things. Thank God it's always moving. Ugh, God, imagine if it all stayed the same. Good Lord. So, that's all I got. That's it. Hope it was helpful. If you want to support this, go to theinfinitesparkofbean.com. T-shirts, books, prints. Uh, Patreon, if you want to get there. Uh, kindness donation through Venmo. Again, if you're, you know, 
if you've got ideas for Patreon tiers, you want to get personal, you want to get more intense, let's talk about it. Some of you have some pretty good ideas. All right. That's all I got. I love you. Bye-bye.